Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm so glad to be here with you today. Hey, in a couple minutes, I'm going to tell you about our friends over at Prep Dish. But I'm so excited about today's show. My new book, Remember God, comes out next Tuesday. But to give my brain a little bit of a break, you know, there's nothing I would rather talk about than soccer. Well, soccer and the Enneagram, my favorite personality assessment. But today we are going to talk about soccer with one of my very, very favorite soccer voices in the U.S., Taylor Twellman. I was a fan of him when he was a player for the U.S. and in the MLS. And I'm still a huge fan of his listening to him talk about soccer as an ESPN analyst, as a soccer expert. He's just one of my favorite dudes to listen to about the sport. And so, you know the rules of the podcast, you guys, that the only people who are on the show are people that I'm friends with or hope to be friends with. And so Taylor fits into those categories. And so today we are going to talk about some pretty fun soccer stuff and then a really important conversation about concussions and how those can affect a human and what we should be doing for our students and our kids as they are coming up and playing sports. I really love and respect Taylor's point of view on that and what he is doing. So I think you guys are going to love that too. So even if you're not a soccer fan yet, though I know a lot of you are, um, I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation. Taylor Twelman, so enjoy this conversation. Okay, for starters. Well, I haven't even said thank you for being on the show, so I should be more polite. Taylor Twelman, thank you for being on the show. I feel extremely honored to be on the show mm. because uh, from my research, it's either people that you want to be friends with <laughs> or that you are friends with, correct? Yeah, and which category would you like to be in? Uh, I think we should determine that at the end of the, the podcast, end. correct? Fair, I mean, I, fair. I, I'm not totally sure we're friends yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's fair. I really respect that. Listen, you uh, were in Nashville for multiple days. We became friends at the tail end of it, which is a heartbreaker. Tell me where you ate when you were here. Did you eat right? Oh, yeah. So this is what, so we are, you and I are speaking on September 13th. Yes. Um, and I was there from the 9th through the 12th. That was my third or fourth. Uh, I've tried to do something different every single Brilliant. time. Brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, but here, here's the issue for me. Because, are you a foodie kind of guy? Yeah. Well, when you travel as much as I do, yep. you kind of have to be, you right? Have so to. if it, so like this year, to give you perspective, this year I'll do 212 days on the road. Really? Yeah. That Like, Annie, that's that's no joke. That is no like, joke, that's, bro. You're getting it done, right? Yeah. So I wouldn't say I'm a foodie, but on the other hand, I'm not doing your chain restaurants. I'm yeah, not thank doing you. that. I want to eat something, right? So if that makes me a foodie, great. Yeah, um, I'll call you that behind your back. Every time I've been to Nashville three times, I eat at the Southern. I have to eat yes. at the Southern. Um, Good choice, my friend. Oh, my almost friend. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. We're almost there. What are we? Yeah, five yeah. minutes in? Two minutes in? We're okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. You picked a good restaurant so far. So that one there, and I always have to do Hattie B's. Oh, how spicy do you go? Are you into that? I can. I mean, listen, it's stupid to. Here's the argument I have with people all the time. Why would you go so spicy to the point where you don't taste the food? Yeah, at? that's right. And that top one at Hattie B's, the hot chicken, the top one oh, is unbearable. Right. And if your mustache or, or facial hair grows while eating, <laughs> that's probably too hot. Yeah, it's it's probably, probably you're probably doing hot. this wrong. Yeah. yeah, you're probably not doing it. So I go that's medium because right. I enjoy the chicken. Yep. I taste the chicken. So I go medium and I enjoy it. So those two. I'm guessing y'all are downtown, right? So do y'all go to that one right there? in midtown yes yep um and that's that for me are the two staples and then i'll do something different every single time just to you know do it but now with the major league soccer 
team coming to Nashville. I, I, I can't wait. You cannot know, Taylor, how thrilled I am about that. I mean, I am, because I grew up in Atlanta. Okay. And so I'm watching all my people go nuts for Atlanta United. Which is crazy. And now I'm ready. I know. It is crazy, isn't it? Have, have you ever seen anything like that happen? No. And honestly, Annie, I was so wrong. I was 180 degrees completely wrong. I was on the other side. And listen, you're in, you, you grew up in Atlanta, so take this for what it is. But, you know, the Braves were in the World Series how many years? They were in the NLCS mm-hmm. how many years? And mm-hmm. they couldn't sell out games. The yeah. Atlanta Hawks couldn't sell out games. And no. they, they would make the playoffs. And then the Thrashers couldn't even thrive. And right. so – Falcons were the only thing, and quite honestly, it was college football. Right. And when they told me Atlanta's going to have an MLS team, I was out in front of it. I said, "There's, I, I don't think it's going to work. And here's the thing, Annie. I did this hit on SportsCenter, and I talked about Atlanta, and I just didn't think it was going to work. I had five or six owners in Major League Soccer text me, I agree with you. Yeah, And I'm really? not saying that to justify it. I'm just saying that so many, so many of us looked at that landscape in Atlanta and said, there's no way. Now, granted, I didn't realize the effect that Arthur Blank would have on it, but yeah. it's it's your hometown. Annie, your hometown is a soccer town. Right. They're intelligent about the sport. There's a youthfulness to that yeah. young professional culture down there that I completely underestimated. Same, same. It's amazing. It's honestly, and I think Nashville is going to be, uh, it, it's going to be different because of the cities. But it's going to be the same in the sense that because Nashville is such an event-oriented town, mm-hmm. once that stadium's built and there's bars and restaurants around, I think the Nashville Predators are going to have to look at it and go, wait a minute, we've got real competition. Yeah. Oh, man, I hope you're right. That makes me so happy. I, I want it to be a really fun – because, like, currently I have season tickets to Nashville Soccer uh, Club. Yeah. And a few of my friends go, but a lot of my friends don't go. Yep. And so it makes it hard for me to, like, there's a little bit of a, I have to rally my people if I want to go to a game. Whereas, like, in Atlanta, everyone just goes. Yeah, now the biggest difference there is I think once the Nashville culture realizes it's a first division team, it's a real team, that kind of thing, and it's not like the in the lower divisions of the U.S. soccer landscape, I think that will change it. Why are you a soccer fan, by the way? Uh, why wouldn't you be a soccer fan, Taylor Twelman? That's it's a good question, question, but I'm actually, I, you, you threw me off guard with your soccer knowledge. Why? Yeah, I grew up playing. Okay. I played, uh, all the way through middle school and high school and was gonna, and was set to play in college and I got hurt at the end of my senior year of high school. And so I didn't play in college. Knee injury or what was yeah, it? Yeah, knee injury. That's exactly right. MCL and ACL stuff. Yeah, the girl girls have a tough one with that. It's weird. Really? Are, are is the muscle? Tell me more. It's there's just a little science behind it that when you when because girls hit puberty and there, there's no jokes here, but there's mm-hmm. because girls hit puberty faster than boys. Sure. They they need to be doing a few more not weightlifting stuff, but they need to strengthen the quad to strengthen the knees, but you have a ton of knee ACL injuries on, on girls, and quite honestly, you have more concussions as well. It's a genetic thing yeah. uh, more so than anything. But I, I just – you threw me off guard, Andy, with the whole soccer knowledge. And I was like, wow, I, I need a backstory here. So yes. what position did you play? Sweeper and stopper, which okay. is for our friends who are listening, I was the one right in front of the goalie. I played goalie one time, Taylor, one game, and I dove 
and hit my head on the side of the um, goal, the sidebar. That's not um, actually a good thing, by the way. Just no, so. no, no. Yeah, yeah. Just so everybody knows that was there was a reason that was the last time my coach put me in there. I never scored a goal in my entire 19 seasons of play because I was wow. always defender. But one time I hit the crossbar from midfield and it was felt and my coach celebrated like it was a goal. Felt like the biggest moment of my soccer career. So was this outside of Atlanta? Yeah. Yeah. I played in, in Marietta, East Cobb. I gotcha. And then was it, did you play club or just was it? No, I played stuff? rec and high school. Yeah. Okay, cool. So yeah, I, I, I love absolutely love it. I watch it, talk about it. It is one, we have two goals with the podcast that people would fall in love with soccer and fall in love with a personality test called the Enneagram. Do you know it? No, I don't, but so I can't I'm, wait to take I'm it. I'm totally going to send it to you. And I have like 84 guesses of what you are already that we're going to have to figure out. But um, so, yeah, I just love it. I think it's, I think it is a really, and so I'm an Arsenal fan and obviously a U.S. fan and national soccer. Those are my people. I think the biggest reason why I love the sport too is that Annie, it, females and males can equally, if not on, on the same level, have the conversation, which is yeah. nothing better. That's it. Yeah. And soccer dudes like talking to females about soccer. Whereas like when you talk American football, it's not the same. No, but the, re and I'm going to give a little insight why that is in 20 Come seconds on. is because the closest level of sports playing against each other, male and female is actually soccer. Oh, and it, right. that's not a slight on any of the other sports. But when you – and I'm real good friends. With it, it's not a name drop, but with the Mia Hams and yeah. the Julie Foudis. And that that was my generation where I was young coming up and they were yeah. at their prime and you get to talk to them. You actually can have the same conversation. It, this is with all due respect to basketball players, women, but you're not having the same conversation as Westbrook and LeBron James because sure. they're dunking. They're playing at a higher level. Right. Soccer just between males and females, one's faster than the other, but it really is the same concepts. Yeah. It's the same technique. So that's the biggest reason why I think soccer has a larger audience because you're not looking down on the females the way you are with other sports, for lack of a yeah. better phrase. Yeah, yeah. That's a good word. I had never really thought about that, but I like that. Um, okay, tell me, here's my question about you. I did more research, Taylor, for your podcast than I've ever it. done in 140 episodes. <laughs> I read your Wikipedia page. That's the amount of research I did. So for the listeners I, at home, <laughs> I did not write my Wikipedia page. That so was literally one of my first from. questions is if you wrote it yourself. Um, no, I, and I also follow you on socials. I mean, obviously I already have, listen to you talk about soccer a lot. But let me tell you, let me read you something from your Wikipedia page. You were in high school, which class of 98, you and me both, same grade. That means we have to be friends. Yes, naturally, of okay, course. Okay, great, good. Even though you look younger than I do. So well, you're very kind, but I don't know. Um, it says you were an all-star athlete in football, basketball, soccer, and baseball. And you got an uh, offer from the Kansas City Royals out of high school, Taylor? I did. I did. So... I'll give you um, just a quick family story. If I was... You don't have to be quick. People are like on their treadmills, cooking dinner. They they have decided to be here. Yeah, so but let's be honest. Tell. Like, I, you know, I hate talking about myself. Actually, I love talking about myself. So, it's, <laughs> it's so if I came home at 18, 19 and said to my parents, I'm going to be an accountant, I'm going to be a fireman, policeman, they would have looked at me and said, huh? And here's the reason why. My father played 10 years professional. He had two brothers that played in the NASL soccer. Oh, wow. He had a brother that played double-A baseball. 
My grandfather won two World Series with the Yankees. He played 12 years in the major leagues, 19 pro ball. And his son, my uncle Jay, played 22 years on the PGA Tour. So my point is, my God-given ability, I didn't have a choice. And we joke about it. My brother played professional soccer for one season, tore both ACLs. So he chose not, you know, not to further his career. Yeah. But my they my sister played soccer as well. So you like didn't have a choice. Like sports are the family. Yeah, like I was job. just born with it. Annie, Annie, it's no joke. Like you just knew I just was born with it. I was born with something. I always wanted to do it. I knew it from age six on that I was gonna play something. Now that's where your research comes into play. I honestly had no idea what I was going to play. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is what made you, I mean, if you had an offer from Kansas City, what made you go to college and play soccer? I have no idea. And, really? and it's, yeah, and I still to this day remember. So it was my junior year of high school is when, if you're a serious baseball player, you get called into these camps and ID camps. And I had to turn all of those down. Uh-huh. And ironically, this time in Nashville, this past trip in Nashville, I saw one of my old baseball teammates, uh, guys that played baseball in St. Louis. He was never yeah. a teammate because he was younger than me, but he played St. Louis. Matt Bushman ended oh, up I going know to Bushman. Vanderbilt. Totally. I know Bushman. He's a St. Louis kid. Anyways, we were having this discussion about, and I didn't know it. So anyways, I missed all those ID camps. And senior year of high school, I went. I decided to play in the under-17 World Cup, so I missed the most important ID baseball camp that summer. Okay. Well, when I came back, it was the Mets, Cardinals, and Kansas City Royal Scouts said, we'd like to do a private workout with you. And I did the workout, and I've never been that tired in my life. It was mm. two hours of just me doing it, all the baseball activities. Yeah. We sat behind home plate. And I remember this to this day. And the Royals guy got straight to the point. He said, if we made you an offer, would you leave college and start an instructional ball and go that route? And I remember it took me about five seconds. I was like, no, I'm going to go to University of Maryland on a baseball scholarship. And once they asked me that, it put into context that Listen, in the money they were talking about, Andy, and it's it was it was basically my scholarship, four year scholarship in a trust fund. It wasn't as if they offered you a million, two million, three million. That's they, right. That's a different story when you're in the first three rounds of the draft. This was simply anywhere from one hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand dollars. You put it in a trust fund, and then you make twenty thousand dollars a off. year. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. And 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 so, Andy, I think it was that day. Subconsciously, I decided. I can't give up soccer, mm. but I never verbalized it. I never said it. I was going to Maryland on a baseball scholarship to play both soccer and baseball. That day, I never played baseball again. No way. Serious. I went to Maryland to on a baseball scholarship. My freshman year of soccer, I was All-American Player of the Year, then went to the under-20 World Cup of the United States, yeah. became the first American to win the bronze boot, and then I came back and turned pro. I never played baseball again. And when you reflect on it now that I'm 38 years old, yeah, subconscious, you know, if there was a book written, that would have been the turning point when I not publicly announced I was choosing soccer, but obviously the world and the universe and all the energies came into it where that was the decision, and yeah. who would have known that literally two years from that day of the Royals tryout, I turned pro in soccer. 
Oh my gosh. But it was, it was fun. And your whole life now is shaped by that. Annie, yes. And by you, that moment. But that's also where, for the listeners at home, I'm also really different. I am your not, I mean, I'm not your prototypical soccer guy. I can have a conversation about anything mm-hmm. regarding sports. I can actually relate to a lot of sports. Yeah, because you played all of them, Taylor. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly, Annie, right? And then you, you know, so you have that kind of conversations and those kind of uh, understandings or whatnot. and. It just, it, it is what it is. It, I, I don't regret it. I have no regrets. Do I at times wonder if baseball ever would have panned out? Sure, but I don't, that's more for fun as opposed to, I never sit around and say no. Mm-hmm. And that includes having a concussion and having my career taken away from me at a very young age and yeah. running a foundation. I still wouldn't trade it all in. I wouldn't. I, I think I made the right decision, but. You would do it just the same. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I really would. Because I think it's grew me into the man I am. Yeah, I think that's right. I think, I mean, I would say that there are decisions that I have made uh, that were those little, that at the moment, you don't even verbalize them, like you said. And you just go, okay, me and God and know where we're doing, what we're doing next. And I think this is going to be right. And then you can't ever even really be sure, right? Like, no, but, it, I, but you do the exactly, best. Exactly, Annie. And plus, I call it living. If we knew that's what the good. answers were, living would be so boring. Right. <laughs> Okay, talk more about that. Go there. Preach that. Come on. You know, like if there was a formula for everything, and this includes, listen, I my first marriage failed, and it failed mm-hmm. at a very young age. And so many people, you know, I, I, I come from a long, you know, family. You know, I think it's 25 plus first cousins, second cousins, and they, they all have, there's over 112 kids running around. Oh, wow. I am the only one that his or her marriage failed. Oh, wow. And I realized it at a very young age. And yet I wouldn't trade that in for the world because I grew up quicker than everyone else. I was Mm. out of the house paying my own bills at age 18. Uh, I was a pro doing all that kinds of, I just wouldn't change it. And I have these, so many of these conversations with young parents, with kids saying, well, Taylor, what was the formula to turn pro? I'm like, there is no formula. If there was a formula, we all go to school in fourth grade. You would take the class. And everything would come away. No, everyone's got a different story. And it it, decisions have ramifications. And then you move on and you live with them. I'm asked a lot because obviously, you know, Annie dealing with post-concussion syndrome and and having the life that I have now, of course, yeah. I I don't regret playing soccer over baseball. I I just don't. It's never really crossed my mind. But I am asked a ton about it. I think in life in general, I think all of us listening – at home now, think of the decisions you've made or, you know, where you're like, God, that didn't really work out. But would you really turn it back? And you're like, yeah. no, because I actually grew, I learned, and I moved on. Yeah, that's right. Tell, will you tell your concussion story? Because I think it is so interesting. That picture of you getting punched, like, yeah. right in the face. It was um, late August 2008, and I joke around because there was 40-plus thousand people in Boston because David Beckham was healthy and he was available mm-hmm. and he was going to play for the LA Galaxy. Mm-hmm. So naturally – Every woman in my family, my mom, beautiful <laughs> sister, and everyone flew up, and it was David Beckham game. It really wasn't my game. Uh, and you were on the other team, yes, right? Exactly. You, were, you were playing for New England. Yeah, just so everyone knows, you were playing against. No, David but the Beckham. listeners will love this. Conan O'Brien was doing a show at Harvard or MIT the night before, mm. and he literally came out and started his show and said, "Saturday night, not David Beckham." 
but Taylor Twelman will be playing it. Everyone <gasps> no. in the room loved it. Yes, and I, I will never forget people telling me about the story. Yeah, but it was he was like, you guys can have your David Beckham, and quite honestly, what a great intro for a comedy show when you want nobody to know what you're talking about. <laughs> so like. Like I, I appreciate Conan O'Brien completely ruining at the beginning of his show to mention my name, but anyway, you should have that as like a clip that you watch every day at some point, just to remember. Any, it was something I've done a million times in my life. Ball goes in a wide area; it's crossed in. Uh, I get on the end of it with my head or any part of my body and put the ball in the back of the net and celebrate. This one was different. Goalkeeper was a second late. He knew he was late. Um. He punched me, broke his hand. He was out. His career was over eight months later. Really? Uh, yeah. From all I've heard, and for the record, he never, you know, I never got a phone call or anything. So. Really? Rude. He's never coming on the show, Taylor. Don't you worry. No, You're I'm not worried about guy. it. I, that is so, I, I get it. <laughs> uh, obviously, he had his own injury, right? So yeah, who knows yeah. what he thought, right? So, and his personal, you know, going through that. But the reality was, you know, three or four of his teammates, even his coach, came up to me after the game. Annie, here's the problem. I played the next eight weeks. Oh, wow. Uh, some days I'd sleep 15 hours. Some days I would sleep one. Even though he had punched you right in the head enough, hard enough to break your hand, yeah, his hand, yeah. you were playing with a concussion. Second half of the game, I thought I scored a goal. I celebrated, and I missed the goal by about four feet. Oh, wow. And one of my teammates goes, what are you doing? I was like, it went in. And that told me already I was dealing with double vision. So mm. – that that's kind of where it went for a turn. And then I tried to, I tried to rehab and do anything I could for two years. And then I realized, you know, my career is over, but my life is in a weird spot. Mm. And if I don't really t try and do this the right way. And so I quit age 28 done over with. So literally like your marriage and your career ended like in a 12 month window. Yeah, it's a little bit longer, but yeah, Dude. I would say in the same two-year period, no problem. That's well, crazy. no, actually, that's not true because it was 2007. But either way, the injury happened within 12 months. Yeah. But you know how those things work. It can. My career ended three, technically sure. three years sure. later. But the hardest part of the whole thing, ironically, wasn't that. The hardest part was uh, there was a team in England that had offered three million dollars for my services, which oh my at the gosh. time in 2008 would have been the second largest transfer fee for an American player ever. Yeah, and that was the hardest thing for me, Andy, because yeah. that was always a dream. It, one of my favorite things I'm most proud of is the fact that I played for one team in Major League Soccer. I'm extremely mm -hmm. proud mm -hmm. of that. Yeah, loyalty seems to be high. Yeah, I was gonna say what I've watched you from afar. Loyalty seems to be a high value to you. Yeah, it is. It is. And ironically, we're talking about that after saying my first marriage was, you know, but that was part of the issue, right? So mm -hmm. that's, I'm loyal to a fault, Andy. Mm -hmm. I am professionally. Um, I am loyal to a fault. And is that an actual thing? Can you be loyal to a fault? I think you can. Okay. Because uh, I think you can at times limit your leverage. You can mm -hmm. limit your bargaining power. Okay. Um, but on the other hand, I am very competitive and that that is something where if you're competitive sometimes you chase something but other times most competitors it's hard to go play somewhere else it's hard to go mm -hmm. work somewhere else mm -hmm. because you know your heart and soul was put into some company or some job for 5 or 6 years it's hard yeah. to change yeah that was hard for me and I'm proud of that but the England thing is the one thing where I reflect on and say what if because yeah. the kind of player I was I was suited for that league 
Um, yeah, I agree. With and that. Annie, there's so many, so many other things, right? My salary would have been tripled. Right. Uh, the 2010 World Cup. You know, Bob Bradley and I had a very good working relationship, mm-hmm. and if I didn't get hurt, I'm playing in that World Cup. So, because yeah. you were on the Gold Cup, right? Which is Concacaf, like our half of the world's yes tournament. Yeah, I mean, I was year, on right? the Gold yeah. Cup for a good amount of years, you know, and then, but the '06 World Cup, you know, Annie, the, for your listeners at home, I was the last player cut. That's brutal. I was the MVP. Think of this: the MVP of the league, and I was cut. The coach never called me. He called everyone else that he cut. He never called me. Taylor, what did you do that day? Were you, yeah, what did you do that day? I found out on SportsCenter. You're lying to me. You found out on SportsCenter that you got cut from the World Cup national team? Yep. I got the email after the SportsCenter hit. Everybody else knew an hour before the SportsCenter hit. I didn't. Oh, that's terrible. My grandfather passed away three days later. <gasps> and Taylor. to this day, I don't even really remember the World Cup because it all put it in perspective. Yeah. And so here's Annie. I scored five goals, had four assists in the last five games to before the World Cup. In 2006, after the World Cup and all said and done, I was the leading goal scorer for the national team. So when I went to bed at night, I had no regrets. Yeah. Was I disappointed? Was I sick? You know, my mom still can't even talk about it to this day. And mm-hmm. I think a big part of it was because she was sad for her son. But Annie, her father passed away three days later. Yeah. And yeah. it put it all in perspective for me. And I'll never mm-hmm. forget, and I won't cuss because I know some of your listeners <laughs> yeah. don't enjoy it. But needless to say, my grandfather was dying of cancer. He was on the hospital bed. He watched SportsCenter. And his last few words were a few choice words for that said coach. And mainly really? all of them preceded by the F word, which I thoroughly enjoy. And I still tell the <laughs> story. Here's a... Here's a grandfather that won two World Series with the Yankees, and he was more mad about that than yeah. anything else. Yeah. But, but again, Annie, these are all things to go to the beginning of our conversation. I don't regret any of them. Yeah. They are who they are. It's my story. Uh, when I pass away, that's my story, and I'm kind of proud of those ups and downs you have in a weird way. I know that sounds cheesy, but uh, it's really no, it not. doesn't sound cheesy. I am so on your team about this. I think this it makes absolute sense to. It's, I think it's the right way to live, really, that you look back and go, I believe that everything happens for a reason. I believe that this is all, that I make decisions and people make decisions and it all pulls together to make the one life I get to live. Completely agree. And right? listen, we're always tested, right? It, it, we're going to be tested and you can say the right things. And I've always been a believer. Actions are louder than words. But but you do say a lot of loud words. Yes, I do. <laughs> you yell, what are we doing here? I know you, bud. I watch you on the television. What are we doing? That was the most surreal night of uh, my professional career in broadcasting. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, because I just, first off. Okay, yeah, you got to tell the story. Back up and tell the story. And then we're going to go back to concussions because I do, I I want us to keep talking about that too. But tell this, tell this. Yeah, but this story is one I've told a couple of times, but your listeners are going to enjoy it because it doesn't matter what sport it is. Yeah. So, it's U.S. Trinidad. Trinidad is absolutely got nothing to do. The United States just played Panama Friday night and absolutely destroyed them, had the best performance they've had in a long, long time. And Ian Dark and I called that game. And so I need to be in Connecticut. So Because that's where um, ESPN is. Yes, that's where, sorry, that's where yeah. the headquarters of ESPN is in Bristol, Connecticut. And I live in Boston, Massachusetts. So a buddy of mine calls me after U.S. beats Panama and says, hey, Taylor, would you like to come to um, 
Long Island, right? Come to the Hamptons. We're going to play National Links, which you can't get on, mm-hmm. Sabonic, and then Shinnecock. For the, th- for the listeners at home, those are three golf courses in the Hamptons that it is virtually impossible to play. Yeah, I don't even know those words, but they sound expensive. Put it this way. Sabonic is it's seven figures to join. Okay, well, casual. Okay? Yeah. I'm saying this, though, because when you get, as a golfer, and I am a legit golfer, I love golf. It's in my blood with my uncle yeah. and my three other uncles that are It's in your, I get the call, and I said, yes, when is it? They say it's Wednesday, Thursday. I look at the calendar and I said, perfect. I'm in Connecticut for U.S. Trinidad. Mm-hmm. It is an easy game. I'll do a couple hits and then I can leave and I'll meet you down there and I'll take the ferry and I'll be there Wednesday by 9 a.m. Yeah. Okay. So I'm packing the car in Boston Monday night. I've got all my beautiful golf outfits. <laughs> I've got my lovely oh my golf clubs. I've got my luggage all set up and I'm... <laughs> ready to rock, dressed in a suit and tie. And I go down to Bristol, Connecticut for what is going to be a long 24 hours for me. But so what? I love the job. The U.S. is going to qualify for the World Cup. Yes, that's what people should know. This is when the U.S. has to, the U.S. just has to win this one super easy game against Trinidad to qualify for the 2018 World Cup that we just had. all they had to do was to tie. (laughs) Brother, I know. I know. That's the worst part. So in this massive studio room we have, We have 14 TVs. And on this night, for the listeners at home, it's also the same night that Lionel Messi, arguably the best player in the world, is playing for Argentina, and they need to win. So what I did was on all 14 TVs, on the the real big one, I had Mm -hmm. the United States and Trinidad. On the other ones, Annie, I had all the other World Cup qualifiers. No. So Messi and Argentina are losing 1-0 three minutes into the game. Yeah. Got it? So all of a sudden I'm saying, okay, that's weird. Then Trinidad scores on an own goal. So it's halftime and the United States is losing. Right. In the room all of a sudden is every ESPN personality that is there that night. Uh Uh-uh. They're all in there to watch. They're all in there. We're all watching. And I had this sneaky pit in my stomach. I thought the United States was going to lose. Really? You just knew it. Panama versus Costa Rica. Panama scores a goal, is credited a goal that never happened. Okay, so for the listeners at home, listen to me. The guy's (laughs) name is Blas Perez in the second half. The referee gave Panama a goal that did not happen. That did not happen, The ball never crossed the line. It was actually crossed the line out of bounds. When that happened, I looked at everybody in the room and I said, just so you guys know, the United States is not going to qualify for the World Cup. And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, watch this. Everything that night was going against the United States. Everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you can feel that. That's one of the interesting things to me about soccer, Taylor, is you can feel when everything is working against a team. Everything. And what people don't understand is that every game's going on at the same time, Andy. So it's not like... You can change the way you play. You can change your strategy. Everything's going on at the same time, so you can't have that. Right. To make a long story short, it's the 81st minute, and it hit me smack in the face. Oh, no. I'm not going to be able to play golf tomorrow. (laughs) All of a sudden, you're like, if this team loses. I'm not – if this team doesn't qualify, this is the worst moment of USA. Oh, no. I'm not going to get the golf trip of my dreams. 
this is not going to happen. So then I was like, oh no, what, what, what? So I text my buddy. I said, there may be, he goes, I'm watching at the bar. Oh, Are we no. still on for tomorrow? No. Thursday? And I go back. <laughs> we better pray for a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> on so many levels. I need us. So to many levels, right? <laughs> on so many levels, right? And, and then it hit me about the ramifications of soccer and whatnot. But I had this epiphany that I'm not going to get anything that I wanted on the Wednesday, Thursday. Yep. Max Bredos, who is our sports center host at the time and a massive soccer guy, comes mm-hmm. into the room. He's literally got tears in his eyes and crying. Oh, gosh. He's literally crying. And he looks at me and he goes, Taylor, we're going on ESPN News. Now, Annie, for the listeners at home, this is the worst moment in the history of soccer. Yeah. And we're on ESPN News because there's a college football game on and ESPN policy is you don't leave that. Yeah. So think of this. I th- he says to me, what do you want to say? And I said, I have no idea. I didn't prep anything. Right. Because we weren't going to lose that game. Yes. There was no way. <laughs> and, and to be honest with you, if, if right. they win, you don't need to prep anything because it's easy. Yeah. It's just analysis. But I never thought it was a possibility. So I go, and so I looked at Max Bredos and Max goes, I don't, he's all out of sorts. He's hosting SportsCenter. And I said, dude, don't worry about it. Just get it to me. Mm-hmm. He goes, okay. And I go, I'm going to just say what I feel. Well, <laughs> you really did. Three and a, <laughs> you really three did. and a half minutes later, yeah. who would have thought on a little sports center on ESPN News, it would go viral in two seconds. And, and it was played in like 70 some odd countries. Someone yeah. told me it's and Annie to this day. People are like, what were you thinking? I wasn't. It just was a natural reaction, which is probably why it was so meaningful for so many fans, I guess. Yeah, that's why it was meaningful, Taylor, because there is such a divide, I think, in our country of people who love soccer and people who don't. But all of us who love soccer wish everyone else did. And in moments like when the U.S. loses a game like that, we recognize everything that's lost momentum-wise and friendship-wise, right? You know, like No doubt about it. And you said all that. You said all that for us when you— lost your mind on national television. <laughs> I lost my mind. <laughs> on worldwide yep, I lost television. my marbles. Yep, I lost my mind. But you, you're right because Joe, the college football fan, only tunes into the World Cup every mm-hmm. four years. Mm-hmm. He has no idea about the three and a half years of qualifying and everything that goes into play and who, injuries and all that stuff. Yep. You're 100% correct. So that's why the viewer had no idea what happened. And then when they watched the World Cup this past summer, there was many people still tweeting me going, where's the United oh, States? I had so many people ask me. Right? And, it's and that put it all in perspective, Annie. And that's yes. also why it's infuriating for me because people don't realize – the reason why the World Cup is the biggest event around the world and bigger the Olympics is because of that three and a half years in order to get there. Mm-hmm. Imagine mm-hmm. the college Final Four – took three years to get there. Yeah. Imagine the Super Bowl. Like that's what people don't understand is that it's so cutthroat, mm-hmm. promotion, relegation, all this stuff that goes into play that in order to survive and get there, it's remarkable. Now I'm saying all this, United States, no excuses. Yeah. They should have qualified for the World Cup. It is the biggest debacle in the program's history. I just didn't think I would have been the messenger. <laughs> you totally were. <laughs> For the entire world. Yep. I didn't think that <laughs> would was be that awesome. guy. It was awesome. <laughs> so I'm just going to real quick interrupt this fun conversation and tell you about my friends over at Prep Dish. You've heard me talk about them before. If 
you have listened to the show before, but Prep Dish is a great way to save time and be efficient in the kitchen. Eat healthy. You know me. I'm gluten-free, dairy-free. And so this is a great way to have those kind of meals that are real foods only. But you can also, if you eat dairy, if you eat gluten, if you eat all the things, they have that for you too. It's a stress-free really tasty meals and the owner Allison who I adore is offering my friends you guys a free two-week trial of prep dish which is awesome you get to try it for free for two weeks this is like a no-brainer just go to prepdish.com slash Annie and if you ever need to use a code just use my first name A-N-N-I-E in all caps so prep dish is like a meal planning service so every week you get an email with a grocery list and a prep ahead instructions so that all of your meals are ready for the week. There's no guesswork needed. You can let Prep Dish do all the planning for you. You don't even have to think about it, which is great for me because I'm just busy. It's not that I don't like cooking. I'm just busy and I have a crazy schedule and this is such a time saver for me. So after only like an hour, maybe a little bit more of prepping on the weekend, I have all my meals ready for the entire week. So um, make sure you go and try Prep Dish. I mean, why not try it for free for two weeks, right? PrepDish.com slash Annie and your first two weeks are free. Again, that's PrepDish.com slash Annie. This podcast is brought to you today by Fuller Seminary. Ministry looks different than it did even like 10 years ago. And Fuller prioritizes an innovative, forward-looking environment where students and faculty can explore the intersections of work and theology and encourage one another in their calling. So to support this collaboration, Fuller is now offering the Catalyst Scholarship to select incoming Master of Divinity students for winter 2019. Recipients will receive a discount of 50% off tuition during their first year of study at Fuller. This new scholarship supports the theological education and spiritual formation of innovative, collaborative students who want to be a part of a diverse and inspiring learning community. For more information, go to fuller.edu slash catalyst. That's fuller.edu slash catalyst. Um, yeah, it's so, it was so sad to me when we lost because yeah, when, I mean, when the U S is in the world cup, you can go to any sports bar during that game and all your friends are there watching the sport that you watch year round every year. Yeah. And so it just is the first time it's this one three week window of the year. We did a show, we did a world cup show with two of my buddies who are big soccer fans. And we just kept saying, we're sorry, the U S isn't in it, but here are the other teams and here are the reason you're going to love them. And it's just so frustrating. And then you have guys like Christian Pulisic, who's so good right now. Is he going to be so good in four years? I hope he's better. Yeah, but, but like, you don't know. You're you're you exactly know. right. You just don't know. There's injuries. That's why it's remarkable when you see some of these players that play in three, four, five World Cups. Yeah. People have no yeah. idea. Okay, so you you had your concussion. So now you're like, I mean, talk about your foundation because you're about like, we need students and kids and families because so many of my friends listening either they play sports or their kids play sports and their kids may be getting concussions or maybe at risk and they don't even know well so many people were like you know it's great you've done the foundation and i'm i'm gonna be a little forthcoming here okay i'm ready it's a struggle for me yeah uh it's a struggle to run a foundation about something that i still deal with every day it's a struggle to talk about it um, as you emotionally try to yeah. move on and get through things and not try to rehash things. But the reality is this, is that part of your duty as a human being and more so as a professional athlete is to give back. Mm. And I would have never thought, uh, 20 years ago, I would have never thought 10 years ago that 
everyone will remember me, not for the goals I scored. And when you're playing, you're thinking, oh, I'm going to be the greatest goal scorer ever. I'm going to do this or that. Nobody even knows that. What they know now is that I am the one that will create social change regarding traumatic brain injuries. And I will literally create change. Yeah. And the conversation needed to be had. Uh, There was a dark, dark time in my life, very dark, where I struggled. It's hard to describe whether it was in the dark room, whether it was taking Oxycontin, whether it was trying to get rid of headaches with alcohol Mm. and certain things. I was just chasing the game of being healthy. And I realized when I was going through that two-year process of trying to heal and seeing what's going on and why I had headaches, that ultimately nobody should go through this. Now, many people think that it's an NFL issue from the 50s, 60s, 70s. Guys, I'm not that old. For the listeners at home, this concussion happened in 2008. Yeah, yeah. Any in 2018, we had 4 million kids take what I call the Think Taylor Pledge. Yeah. And the pledge is just quite simply what I just talked about, and that is creating social change regarding traumatic brain injuries. And I just want to change the conversation. The hardest part for me right now is that we have too many people trying to scare the living crap out of parents, mm-hmm. but we also have way too many people not willing to listen and change. Right. And for the listeners at home, let me ask you this. Do people still smoke? 100%. Everyone that smokes, do they know the ramifications if they do and the chances of Mm -hmm. what they do when they're smoking? Mm -hmm. The answer is 100% yes. Yeah. I don't care if someone wants to play football, but you are literally playing with fire if you're under 14, male or female, is playing tackle football. If you're under 10 to 11, son or daughter, is heading a soccer ball. So for me, this is all about proper at education. At all, like doing any kind of heading at all is dangerous. Yes. Well, listen, you can head a ball that's underweight and underthrown, and there's certain ways to teach that, yes. But Annie, the ball. If think, think of this. If the kids were not taught by parents, and you kicked a moving object, Adam, what's their natural reaction? Get out of the way. To get out of the way. Yeah, yeah. To get out of the way. I've literally, for the last, think of this, Andy, for the last nine to 10 years, I've literally gone and just when I travel, I'll watch kids play. They never had a ball. Around the world, when I go to the best academies in the world, when kids are playing by themselves, they're not crossing, they're not punting the ball, heading it. yeah. You're it's right. a lack of education teaching the game. It's a lack of education coaching the game. But the fact that I still see Pop Warner football exist, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, people need to have a real look into the mirror. Yeah. They need they need to honestly say that they don't believe out loud in science and move on. And when football players, Hall of Fame football players, are saying they won't let their kids play football until a certain yeah. age, then yeah. you're idiotic mm-hmm. if you're going to allow that to happen. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the part that I don't want to happen. I don't want sports to go away either, Annie. Right. You and I, you, listen to you talk about your youth soccer. Yeah. So, sports is it, so yeah. valuable for our self-worth and our self-being and learning how to be a part of a teammate and learning being a team and all this stuff. We don't want to scare the living crap out of everybody and then take sports away and put kids in a bubble. That's right. not what I'm talking right. about. 
I'm just talking about evolution. Yeah, so what does the pledge look like? What do you want to see different in sports for kids or for adults? Because you know I love um, Giroux that used to play for Arsenal and his forehead scores a lot of goals. Yeah, but if a 21-year-old male or female wants to make that decision, at least they're educated. So yeah, here's why right. I created the pledge. Because if the pledge is read by 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12-year-olds and it's put in front of them, my, uh, I, I'm a gambler, Annie. I'm gambling and I'm hedging my bets that if I educate our youth when they're older, they're going to make better decisions than yeah. us grownups. And at least they have the choice. I love that you're doing that, Taylor. I love the the... I'm not telling you not to play soccer. I'm going to tell you what happens when you hit a ball with your head, and then I'm going to let you live your life. Right. And, and listen, when you're old enough, you're going to make decisions just yeah. like smoking. And everyone listening is laughing, but that's really what it is. If you want to smoke, you know it, but you know the ramifications. Yeah. The pledge I created, it's about three words. I pledge to be educated on the signs and symptoms of concussions. I pledge to be honest with my coaches, parents, teachers, and teammates. And I pledge to be supportive of anyone that gets a concussion. Man, the supportive brilliant. part is to all you parents out there. Because if I hear one more time a parent look at me in the face and say, this is the most important game of their lives, are you serious? Your son or daughter is 11 or 12. If that's the most important game of their life or moment of their life, then their life sucks. And that's mm-hmm. not true. Mm-hmm. That is underestimating your youth. Yeah. And so, so much of this is about social change. And you know what it is? It's not threatening to anyone. Yeah. And Annie, that's why the pledge has been so receptive by everyone. Yeah. I mean, like millions of people have taken this pledge. Yes. And Annie, I'm not saying, all I'm saying is evolve, change, play the, who cares if under 10, 11 and 12 year olds play a game without heading? Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. And everyone goes, well, we're going to be behind the eight ball. I go, you think? Mm. No, we're not. Because I've watched Barcelona's academy play. And at 14, they're not even heading the ball. And everyone listening, that's the best academy in the world. Yeah. Lionel Messi, how many times do you see him head the ball? The answer is never. (gasps) Oh my gosh, he doesn't, Taylor. Never heads the ball. So what are we so really what what is the byproduct of all this? Oh, we actually become better coaches and educated, and our players become better while giving them an opportunity to preserve their brains. Because it's 0.01% of athletes under the age of 12 will play at an elite level in college. Mm-hmm. Repeat that all over you want. So that means right. 99% of them are going to need that brain for something else. Right, <laughs> right. For the rest of their lives, for something besides a professional athlete. Right. And all I'm saying is let's make more educated decisions. I'm not saying quit soccer and go put bubble wrap on them. Yeah. And man, so many of my buddies who have been professional athletes are like you, where they're done being, like I have some baseball player friends who were done when they were 27, 28, 29. Yeah. That is a lot of life ahead of you. Oh my God. That you need your brain for. <laughs> exactly. And, and and I just I think the the worst part about this conversation on the head injuries is it's only two American gridiron football and they're idiots because they, because the amount of females and girls that get concussions mm-hmm. from cheerleading, mm-hmm. from soccer, from equestrian, what are we doing? If we're creating social change. It's not just the males that are putting on helmets and pads, and it's only 700,000 youth. It's the 30 million kids in our country that are playing soccer. And if I can educate 75% of them and they change, it's a law of averages. It's a law of numbers. Annie, I made a massive difference. Yeah, that's right. And I do also want to say to you, as we've been friends for such a long time now, you are not only going to be remembered for this. This is what you'll be remembered for, but I think there's a lot more. So I know it's a pain point for you, but... 
you know, we'll remember you for a, a lot more. You're going to do a lot more yeah, stupid but, stuff between now but and at when least you die. Yeah, well, <laughs> if you go to my Twitter feed, trust me, I'm yeah, serious. a lot more. Yeah, let me, y'all go follow him over there. There's a lot more stupid stuff you get to remember yeah, exactly, him for. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I just well say, you know, said. you know, you've got a friend in Nashville who's who's pretty, pretty sure you're going to be remembered for a lot of good stuff you did <laughs> and for being an incredibly good soccer player, Taylor. Gracious. Yeah, no, it was fun. It was fun. Um, okay, let's talk about the U.S. team here in Nashville this week. Yeah, it was, I mean, for me, Nash Vegas is, uh, it's a great environment. I absolutely love coming there. I think the crowd. And it was U.S. versus Mexico. Yep, U.S., Mexico. I think it surprised a lot of people, particularly in Nashville, how many Mexicans, uh, supporters and whatnot were in the stands, but that's like anyone. Taylor, I think I was the only American fan in the stands. Well, yeah, but. (laughs) It was unbelievable. Yep, Mexican fans travel, you know, it's a reality. And I think a lot of the new. Um, soccer fans in our country are just realizing that, but that's been forever. 2007 Gold Cup final in Chicago, 70,000 people there. I would say 68,380 of them were Mexican, <laughs> and the other 1,800 were Twelmans driving up from Zoom. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. But I, you know, the environment was electric. I thought the first 45, 50 minutes, especially, it was great. Um, but I think Nashville is going to be a soccer – it's going to be a fun city to go play a game, and I really yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. I have never been that surrounded by Mexican fans, and they're incredibly fun. I mean, they are – they say things the whole time. I know they say inappropriate things that I don't know because I don't speak Spanish. No, but the one thing is, and for the listeners at home, when the, the other team's goalkeeper takes a goal kick, there's a massive, loud Mexican chant, mm-hmm. and it's awful, it's derogatory, and it needs to change. Yeah. But people are asking how to change that. I'm going to tell you quite simply how you do it. If FIFA actually cared and got off their rear ends and did something, Mm -hmm. they would make a home World Cup qualifier for the Mexican national team closed door with no fans. Oh wow! And it would change. Saying like, if y'all can't, if y'all can't do this without being derogatory, then you can't go to the game. You can't go to the game at all. Then you have no home field advantage, and you play in front in a Mm. ninety thousand seat stadium with no one there. If you did that, it would change immediately. So everyone asking for me to do it on air, and for me to tweet about it, and for those of us to change, and for Mexicans to be fined, that does nothing. If FIFA cares, they'll change it. Right. That's the question, whether or not FIFA cares. But that's the only thing that I, I just, you know, I have a huge amount of respect for Mexico. They're my, our biggest rival. They were my biggest rival as a player. Yeah. Uh, the games are great. I think we saw one of those in Nashville on September 11th. Okay, good. I mean, I thought they were, I was disappointed that we didn't score until they were down a man. I mean, I know that's all part of the, like I read the interview by the um, defender who kind of caused a lot of the scuffle, our defender. Yeah, Matt Miazga. Yeah, he's funny, man. Yeah, he is. I'm like, that That kid's a mess. I like him. And he said, this is all part of the game. Like we got in their heads. They got a red card. We were up by a man. We scored a goal. Like that. this is soccer. And I'm so down with that. Except I want to see us look as good as we did when they had 10 men as when they have 11 men. Yeah, I mean, Annie, that that is a discussion you and I could do in a completely different podcast on. That's the number one discussion for the men's national team is when are there going to be games when they dominate? When are there going to be games where they impose their will and they look like the better team instead of always trying to survive? Yes. And it can't be against the island countries and the CONCACAF countries. It's got to be against the, you know, the Colombias, the Belgiums, the Argentinas, yeah. the Englands, the Germanys. And that's still a long way. That's a long way away. Now, granted, 
our national team program. My father played 10 years. There was no national team program when he played. He got one cap. There was no program. Yeah. So all of those countries have hundreds of years of tradition hundreds, and plural. history and style. Well, think about I it, right? I on my show. I mean, think of, think of like England. <laughs> the sport started when? Yeah, like in right. the 1800s, yeah, right? Like right. So it's like, you know, it, it, the sport's been around for forever, yet – you know, the United States, when you really think about it, we've really started in since like 1988. Mm-hmm. I mean, we still got time. Now, that's not an excuse. You can't lose to Trinidad and Tobago, but Or the if you do, is- Taylor Twelman is coming after you. <laughs> <laughs> Dear U.S., consider this your warning. It's happened before. Yeah, yep. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure many a people in that organization are tired of me ranting about it. <laughs> I think it's great, I, and I love that they. I do like that they travel around and play these games so that we get to watch these younger guys. Because it's not Landon Donovan anymore, and it's not Clint Dempsey anymore, and it's not even. I mean, Michael Bradley's probably still playing, but he didn't come play for us. So I like that the younger guys were who we got to see. Yeah, I mean, Michael Bradley still has reason to be – he'll still be involved. He's not that old. He still has a job to pass the torch, so to speak, and he will be. Right now they're just deciding that it's better for him not to be involved. I disagree with that. I think when you bring in a huge contingent of young players, you still need to be around some big personalities Mm -hmm. and guys that you grew up watching play. So that's where I think U.S. has done it a little bit wrong. Oh, that's interesting, Uh, yeah. But for me, the bigger concern is – 365 days ago, you didn't qualify for the World Cup and you still haven't hired a full-time coach. That drives me out of my mind. Are you going to take the job? Are they going to call you? Andy, let's be honest. If I was the head coach, you and I wouldn't be doing this podcast and we wouldn't be (laughs) right? So I'd rather, I like my life now. Okay. I'm glad I got you before you're the U.S. coach (laughs) because then when that happens, I'd be like, uh, sorry, we're already friends. Come back. Come back to the show. Andy, when I was playing, if you would have said I was doing media, I would have told you you were completely out of your coconut. No chance. Really? You'd have never done this? No, I would would never want to do this. You would have never thought you were doing media. That's so interesting because that's your full-time hustle. Yeah, and it honestly is is something that I love. I I am stunned that I like it as much as I do because I – as playing, I would have been like, no chance. I'm going to be a GM. I'm going to be a coach. I'm going to do something, but obviously life throws you a couple curveballs, and this one I actually hit the curveball, and I'm thankful for it. That- yeah, because you're the only peer of ours that really is is that uh, visible and vocal that played besides Alexi Lawless, but he's older. Like he's who I wanted to be when I was playing. Yeah, and right? Alexi, so- right? Lexi was the generation that passed it to my generation. Yeah, right? the same thing we were just talking about with Michael Bradley. So yeah. But Alexi was – people don't know this. People think Alexi was in TV. He was a GM of five teams right, right before. So he came into this. And I, quite honestly, this is who he is and what he is. And he's a dear friend of mine. As I, you know, as I came into this profession, I worked with him for my first three and a half, four years. Yeah. So it was always fun. And we we still have a great – you know, relationship now. Um, even and part of the reason why we get along is we disagree with everything we each other says. Which yeah, for sure y'all do. For sure y'all do. <laughs> <laughs> I see it. I know. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Um, man. Okay. So here is the big question we always ask at the end of the show. Okay. That you've got to answer because it's called that sounds fun. What do you do for fun besides soccer? Like what? What's fun for you? Well, I needed to find, um, I've already alluded to it. I needed to find something to take care of my competitive uh, playing a sport. So golf is a huge part of my life. Okay. Um, always has been. 
but not as much as it is now. And that is that helped fill the void. When I was going through some dark stages of my life trying to figure this out with the concussion, ironically, golf kind of filled that void and helped me transition into the next phase of my life easier, if that makes any sense. Really? So, so that really helped. I, I love being in nature for three and a half, four hours, turning my cell phone off, no yeah. social media, being away from everything. Um, but we, a lot of it's hanging out with my family. You know, I'm a father now, which is an amazing experience and mm-hmm. something if you would have asked me two years ago, you're going to, you know, why don't you have any kids? I would have told you, nah, it's, I, I think it's past me. And now I've got a little daughter and it's an absolutely, it's, I've learned more things about me in the last 15, 16 months than I never would. And so really? never thought I would. So that's a big part of it. I'm a family guy. I've got four nephews all in St. Louis. I'm actually pretty chill. Annie and a big for my fun, you know, it's barbecue, it's hanging out by the pool, it's hanging out with family. Um, and I think a part of that is too much travel. I when I shut it down, I want to shut it down with yep. people that I care about, right? Yep, and social right. media, you know, this as much as anyone, social media is weird. It's you so know, weird. if you know, if, if it controls you, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, you lose sense of like life. And what's around you. So, uh, really fun's being at home and doing anything. You know, I I'll play cards. I'll do anything. I'm yeah. You know, I don't really care. But I don't, I don't travel as much. Obviously, because if I'm shutting it down, I'd rather be at home. Dude, that's what people. Because I travel probably two to three weekends a month to speak at conferences, events, or churches or whatever. And so I do about 150 days on the road. But people go like, do you want to go somewhere for vacation? I was like, yeah, my house. Yeah. Like, I want to be in my own house. I know. <laughs> for as many days as I can. Exactly. Like, you know, this past winter, we did eight, nine weeks in Arizona because I had, uh, for the first time since I've been at ESPN, I had an eight-week period where we didn't have a lot going on. And I only had like two or three road trips. So we did that. But again, that's with family that's different, you know, weather and all that. But really, I like being outside, and golf has been my release for so much of what I was missing after the injury. So, to answer your question at the end of the show, for fun, it's it's obviously golf and and gambling with my buddies. Okay, so can we just? I went to Vegas for the first time. Yeah, okay. In the spring with two of my girlfriends, and I am great at the craps table. Uh, of I'm course, I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Is that your? Yeah, because mm-hmm. it's so fun, and everybody is on the same team. Oh yeah, it's so fun. Now let me ask you a question: Why does why do all those buildings look so beautiful, and why does Vegas have all the money? Because we all go there, I guess. <laughs> huh? Yeah, yeah. I did. I'll tell you what. Because I didn't come winning. home richer. That's for danger. You can you can believe that. I left a lot of my money there. It's brutal. <laughs> it's just the worst. I didn't know. I kn- and people had warned me beforehand that they pump in oxygen and there's no windows and you, time will get away from you. And I was like, no, I'm like a proper grown up. I will know. Nope. 2 a.m. Everything feels the same. And I was like, you guys, <laughs> what are we doing? Oh, 2 a.m. You're looking around going, guys, should we get lunch? Yeah, serious. That's how you feel. It's insane. It is absolutely insane. But I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. Are you a craps guy? What is your thing? I used to be, uh, but I don't really do the cards and that kind of stuff. I'll play cards like my my thing, and I'm avoiding it. Listen to me. I sound so bad. It's literally three-card poker. Oh, that's great. Uh, it's blackjack. But for me, I've learned that gambling, I love that it's slow. 
It's mm-hmm. time consuming. Mm-hmm. So golf for me is a big one. Got Sports it. Sports is it. fun. Yeah. But yeah, for yeah. me, it, you know, for the listeners at home, listen, gambling's a vice. So if you're not in control of it, gambling's awful. Wow. Well, yeah. That is that can be true for a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm in control of it, but it's fun for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting too now, Andy, a little side note, but for those of us in sports, we're now allowed to talk about it. That's been a real game changer. Oh, really? You used to, you used to have to like be a secretive about it? Well, you had to be careful about it. And obviously the Brent Musburgers of the world were never that way. Sure. They would, you know, now Michaels, but now you can talk about it because of it being legal and whatnot. You can talk about it and have conversations. And it, it's been an interesting part of my profession that's changed, which is nice. Yeah. It makes it more, I mean, especially if you can have the conversation. I mean, it's very similar. Taylor, you kind of have one conversation going on where you're going, it, this thing, like a concussion or like gambling, I, I, let me tell you that this can be done well if you do this well. Yeah. Also, this can be done really poorly if you are not paying attention yeah. to the guardrails. <laughs> and that is true across every bit of life with how you treat yourself and other people. You can either treat them well or you can do it badly, right? I mean, Agreed. it's everywhere. So I think that's, I think you show, you're showing a lot of wisdom and that's what you'll be remembered for around these parts, Taylor Twelman, not just a head injury. Yeah, until I criticize Nashville and their first and game of Major League Soccer, you. then every, exactly, then I will be hunted <laughs> yeah. like Patty <laughs> B's chicken. That's I will right. be hunted <laughs> like a piece of Patty B's chicken that's the so moment right. I say Nashville's terrible no, in Major League Soccer. No, here's what's true. You you just need to tell us the truth so we can get better at it. I'll listen <laughs> yeah, to you yeah. if you tell us the truth. Just don't yell at me about it. Andy, no one, no one wants to hear the truth. Nobody likes the truth. Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. (laughs) No sports fan likes the truth. Otherwise, my profession wouldn't exist. Yeah, you're actually right about that. Well done. That's a good point. Um, Okay, is there anything we didn't talk about that you want to talk about? Uh, no, I think we covered all bases too. I know. I think we. I wore pants for this interview, just for the listeners at home. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. I did too. I mean, we were all fully dressed and ready to really be professionals. Yes, we actually did a real live show. Yeah, we did. Now that it's done, what's your take on friendship? Uh, yeah, I, I think I'm going to, you know, you're in my friendship book. Yes. It's amazing. I didn't, it's not easy. You didn't think it was going to happen though, at first. Well, let's be honest. No one really wants to be friends with me, so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the difference. It wasn't me we were ever worried about. It was always I'm trying you. to play it cool right now, but uh, for the listeners at home, I paid Annie $1,000 to call me. You know what? They know that's not true because they saw my Insta story where I said, Taylor, <laughs> come be on my podcast. Let's be friends. Uh, man, dude, thanks so much for being on the show. I do respect you so, so much. And you, you, I love hearing you talk about a sport that I love. So I'm grateful. No, it's amazing how many worlds uh, have crossed since doing this profession. And I feel very fortunate that Annie called me and had me on her podcast. Honestly, it's cool. It's awesome. Thank you. You guys, like so much wisdom in that dude. I'm so grateful. I love when... I think it's one of my very favorite things about sports is when a sports conversation can lead to a life conversation and sports can help you think down some of the things you're working out in your regular life. And I find that a lot in my relationships with other people, my relationship with God and and just in how I live my life. And so I'm grateful to hear Taylor talk the same thing. So what a good dude. I'm so glad we're friends with him. I'm just so thrilled about the whole thing. And so make sure you go and follow Taylor Twelman on Instagram, Twitter, Twitter, 
all the places and tell them thanks for being on the show. And um, if you have a student, if you have a child that is into sports, again, everything Taylor said, go check out thinktaylor.org where you can learn all about his organization and the Think Taylor Pledge. I think it's really, really important. Um, so make sure you check that out. I think he handles that conversation really beautifully. And we'll be remembered for that and a lot more, Taylor. You just keep keep being you, buddy. We're for you. You're so for you here at That Sounds Fun. So, and me as your friend. If you guys need anything from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs across the entire internet. F as in fancy. So, or football, if you will. And if you need anything, I am there and easy to find. So, and if you get a chance to rate and review the show, that would mean a lot. And hey, if you have friends, I mean, everybody, let me tell you what I know. Everybody who loves soccer knows Taylor Twelman. So if you have a friend that you want to impress with your soccer knowledge, tell them that you are now friends with Taylor Twelman and send this podcast to them and say, hey, listen, my my friend Annie had her friend Taylor Twelman on. And you will just be, you'll be the coolest with your soccer friends. So while Taylor goes out and plays some golf, it sounds like for fun, I am getting ready for our last week weekend before Remember God releases on Tuesday. And so fun for me is spending some good time with my friends and their kids. If you've listened to the audiobook of Remember God, or if you've gotten to read the book already, you know that I call them my mini BFFs. So I'm going to spend some time this weekend with my friends being grateful, grateful, grateful for um, the people in my life and the work I get to do and the conversations like today where, where I get to talk to someone that loves something that I love too. And I think I get to do that every week. And so I'm just really, really thankful. So thanks to Taylor for making time. And thanks to you guys for being with us. And I hope you have a great weekend. We will be back on Monday. So we will see you then.